for listening to the 365 Amazing Women podcast. Remember, you can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher and TuneIn. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and YouTube. Visit 365amazingwomen.com. Hello and welcome to the 365 Amazing Women podcast. I'm Adam Ditchburn and I am coming to you from the UK City of Culture 2017, Hull. Today is the third part of what has become a Hull trilogy and I am chatting with Graham Jenkinson, Managing Director and Founder of Genco Graphic Design and Marketing Company based in Hull. Hope you enjoy the conversation. partner and myself, Colin and I, we run a, a graphic design and marketing company in Hull called Genco. I'm about 34 years old. Um, so it's probably coming to the end of its cycle, I guess, for me. Um, sort of like uh, the big growth thing for that sort of already happened and it's sort of created and done and dusted and we have a great brand and it's a case of maintaining that, already, I guess. When I left school, I wanted to do fine art, and uh, I've, my brother-in-law was in commercial art with uh, Fenner at the time, so it was a little bit like those conversations that mums and dads have about uh, how are we going to make a living out of dancing or whatever it was going to be, but this it was fine art for me at that time. Uh, and I managed to get into art college. Um, when we were doing our foundation art course, there were other evening classes or... Uh, projects you can get involved in. One of them was um, drama with um, God. I'm bound to get emotional talking about these women because they really have been important. So I was a pretty mixed up kid at 16 I think uh, coping with um, I wasn't out at that time and I didn't, I just knew it felt I was sort of slightly different. I don't think I really came to terms with my sexuality until I was about 19, 19 to 21-ish, maybe. But anyway, this poor woman, um, uh, Pam, Pam Della, she was, um, she ran this... Um, was she a tutor at the... Yeah, but it was sort of like... Um, I can imagine her in a career that would have supplemented her income, because I think she was originally... Uh, I understand in her early career she did some... Um, black and white films down in London and she was a very beautiful woman when she was younger and and then I think was, you saw in this woman um, how the industry had had um, quite a telling effect on her and and that when it, that collision between art and what the studio requires of you and I think she was a really good an, um, sort of antidote to all of that studio beauty thing even though she had it obviously uh, but I think she chose a sort of Stanislavskian uh, course and that, that I think took over her career and then she she ended up in Hull and then she was doing this thing where we would probably be carving bits of wood during the day and coming up with different types of shapes and photography and uh, putting a, an exhibition together about the effects of the war on the city and then you'd go six o'clock you'd do this bit of yoga, relax, relaxation techniques, all those cliches which I like to sort of take the piss out of now that we know with actors and stuff. I have a current thing about actors on television and I'd like to do something on Facebook about actors doing jobs. I mean, there was, there was something... You mean doing jobs while they're acting? Well, you know, if you're... Uh, 
if your role is a bricklayer, there was okay. one, there was one on something last night, and there was. You know, I come from a building family, so there was just even Colin said to me, "He's not doing that right, is he?" I said, "Fuck you, Wellington." And it's all, you're not just plastering your mortar about like that. You arty farty bastard. You know, do a bit of research. So yeah, so I think that was all around that Stanislavskian thing. But you know, I think in that case, I think Pam would have advocated that you really get into the skin of the role, and you know, so we did. Yeah, we used to do lots of stuff around there. She started, so we'd do a bit of yoga, a bit of warm-up, and then we just used to do sort of tribal, bits of uh, tribal stuff, because she sort of hovered between tribal drama and Stanislavski and stuff, and as you know, it probably the, the polar opposites. So we'd, we'd end up, we ended up doing these things where... And lots of Marquis de Sade, so we'd do little bits of that, and then you'd... you'd, you'd we'd, which she'd have us singing uh, about Amy Johnson, you know, beautiful Amy. It was quite weird because, like, Northern Theatre did Amy Johnson about Amy a bit later yeah. on, and you're thinking, oh, my God, that's our sort of melody. I was really only at college for about a quarter, really, so there was I probably saw her maybe ten times or so, I guess. And then it wasn't until um, after... Um, with uh, I sort of co-formed a, a theatre company called Taboo, which is where I met Emma, and uh, I'll probably talk, I'm going to be talking about Emma a bit later on. So, so in a way, this woman has sort of um, provided a stepping stone for greater friendships with other people, mm. and it's quite fascinating. So, um, I was doing freelance work at the Boys Chain at the time. There's a guy in the studio there who sort of got me into Rocky Horror, really, and then. Because weirdly, as a musician, I've uh, been in bands and things like that. I wasn't really into that sort of type of musical theatre thing. So, but it was a little bit as a bit of a diversion. We ended up going to Lincoln or wherever it was to see a Rocky Horror show, and then I said to this guy because we're working together in the studio. I said the only way you're going to have more fun with this is to have a go at doing it yourself. So, I sort of stood up at Cecil um, Cinema weirdly, and. Um, I can't believe I did that now. It's just full of people throwing rice and, and whatever. <laughs> so I said, we're forming, we're forming a group. We want to have a go at doing this. If you're interested, come along to Denton's in Hessel. And Denton's been sort of figural to the movie, which was weird. That's where I met Emma. And then, you know, she she came along with her sister, Shani. And then we've all been really great friends ever since. Stay tuned for part two of my conversation with Graham Jenkinson. Remember, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn and SoundCloud. Visit our website www.365amazingwomen.com So, just to recap then, so we formed this theatre company and it was a bit of a reset moment and I thought, oh shit, um, I was just, I just started Jenko and I was sort of freelancing uh, both sides of the river and we've got all of these people coming and there are big expectations on me to be this director or whatever and I suddenly realised I've never directed anything <laughs> no, not not particularly brilliant at singing and as uh, you know Emma will testify my dancing's probably <laughs> not great as well so um, and I thought oh I'm going to uh, I'm going to have to draw my resources and then I'd heard that Pam was running a uh, an A-level um, history of theatre course at Northumberland Street School um, so I got in touch there, so I'm 
I'm doing my work during the week, and then on Fridays we would go to Northumberland Avenue, and then we'd do all of this stuff again, all of this Stanislavski and stuff where she would, you know, stick a finger in a pot of curry powder and ram it in your mouth and say, what, 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 what are you feeling with that? So, and that was a great year, really. I made some good friends there, and um, it was just really good to... It's like a Mother Earth figure for me. Mm. And it's... Um, I, I still reference her now in my thoughts. I think for that 16-year-old kid that was really struggling with the art form that he, I, during the day, I was really struggling getting to the purity of the art. And then it was discovering that the tutors wanted something a bit more prescriptive, which was a sort of big shock for me. And then the reality that trying to make a living out of it and should I really be doing graphics, which is weird because that, that's where I've ended up. And then you go to this breakaway thing. It was like a, you know, you, this two-hour session on a Wednesday night would be um, it's a chance to get your soul together. And you know, some of the I remember the relaxation techniques you did, and I used to I used to ape those with my drama group. And then you know, have people you know laying on the back and imagining that they're hovering above the body in the middle of a warm Pacific mm. sea somewhere, which is still nice to think of that. But it's all that came from this weird and wacky woman who was uh, impacted on a lot of lives, actually. Um, I remember on the, on the day that she died, I was driving into work and then had Radio Humberside on and I heard people talking about somebody and the things, the context of the things they were saying were... Um, how what she was like and uh, I think I had this guy called Ron on and she she was working with this theatre company called Freewheel which was a uh, a drama group for people with severe uh, disabilities and and this bit of a character Ron I think and uh, he just sort of said what we liked about her was she would shout at us as if we didn't have any disabilities at all. Mm. Now, some people might think, well, you know, sort of politically correct sense that we have to sort of maybe wrap things up in cotton wool, but I thought it was just, it was just a fantastic testimony to who she was, that she wouldn't take any prisoners. Thanks for listening to the 365 Amazing Women podcast. That's more in a minute. Remember, you can subscribe on iTunes or any other good podcast site. Facebook. The other person I wanted to speak about was uh, Anoni, um, formerly Anthony and the Johnsons of, mm. of fame. And I think Pam and another woman who was my mentor when I, I sort of branched into um, therapeutic counselling really was really important. But the famous person, I guess, is uh, Anoni. And I just... There's a quote about around to be an LGBT activist, uh, you have to be a feminist, and I just think that's just a fantastic phrase, and it's not a pandering to any gender power block or whatever, um, and then it, but it's sort of like you know realistically, um, the Mother Earth thing that that feeling I felt um about working with Pam was all about that she maternal 
wrapping around your emotions around things and making sure that things are going to work is sort of like how Anoni sees the world even down to the world how we're destroying the world that Mother Earth thing mm. is really really powerful and I think if that's if that's what we're going to call feminism then you know what a load of that yeah the women in my life are really really positive and um if we talk about, you know, um, Emma, who mentioned earlier on, um, you know, seeing, see, these, seeing how these tendrils of contact and connection mm. were sort of um, woven into this fantastic fabric that is our lives, you know, yeah. sort of like, you know, that sort of dense woven fabric has formed a really big sort of foundation I guess for for our lives now so we, we, we reference those points a little bit like me talking about we maybe don't hike back too much to taboo because I think we're probably a little bit disappointed at times that it took a long time and it was just like that big explosion of stuff from how long did you stay together as a, as a group? five years I think it took but whilst the, all of that stuff was going on the top with uh, um, the main production at taboo um the, the the sort of burgeoning confidence allowed people like Emma and Pam and David to write their own things yeah. and it's sort of like we had three spin-off productions um, and get back to Pam um, Emma had written this play about HIV um, and I'm just, thinking, I'm just thinking when I think back at it now it's just I'm very proud to say it was like the first HIV production in the city um, or for whatever whatever the aesthetics of it or, or how it was performed or how written or whatever it was just a really fine moment for for us and it sort of like heralded the sort of maturity of Taboo um, and weirdly enough Pam came along and, she, and Pam had always been my counsel really because I'd been if things were happening in the group he'd always get something like oh, you know why are we doing this why are we over rehearsing this why are we singing that like that uh, it doesn't look like that on the video why don't we do it and all of those stuff where you become a little bit of uh, a ringmaster in a circus as a director and you, it's, it's so um, time consuming time and I didn't really get enough time to work on my own performances and stuff mm. like that and it was a bit frustrating so I would uh, Pam would sort of hold uh, counsellor with me and it was a little bit like you know somebody wants to go and do another group and blah 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 and she said something really weird to me she said Graham it's what people it's what people do in art they go off and form other groups and you always love that yeah stay with the one you want or go with the one or do a completely new one and I think that sort of like suits my personality because most people that know me no, that I don't like to stick at things very long, other than um, Good Ship Janko, which is like mm. thirty-four years. So there are there are things that you know important people in your life say to you that you stay with you. They stay with you uh, in a figural sense, and you choose to dip into them as and as and when. And I think it's the same. Um, the effect that Anoni has. Um, I'm just. I mean, we've. 
there's been a bit of a fantasy about trying to see if you would come and play at Pride this year because we've been working on this orchestra idea and it'd be great if you just dropped in and did some of stuff. Um, but the chances of that happening, it's a bit like Madonna or Kylie coming, but you know, 10 times greater than that for me because this yeah. is the, probably the most important um, gender-fluid thing on the planet. Um, she is so important. So we've got an emerging trans scene now and that is going through all of those things that Pam was saying about people will mutate and form groups and, and that's a good thing because then that's, that's happening in, in gender politics and, and all of these things and how women are and you know and it's sort of like a very interesting point you know when she was she's the only trans artist to be nominated uh, for an Oscar and then it's heartbreaking reading the story that she was in Africa, I think, at the time, and then um, when the nomination came through and she was panicking about what she was going to have to re- rehearse, if she didn't use customary for the people to to sing at the awards ceremony, and then she didn't get asked, and she was sort of like, her and another person didn't get asked to perform, and they drafted in somebody that wasn't nominated. Um, right. And her point was that the... The Oscars is just about American global power politics and and money and if you went commercial, um, you know, choosing the Foo Fighters over a transgender person from from yeah. England, you know who's going to win and that's how it how it sort of panned out. But it's sort of like the thing where in LGBT politics at the moment is you know, sort of like trans are where gay men were in the sixties and seventies now and it's sort of like. And I'm doing very broad brushstrokes with this, so forgive me, listeners. Is is there around another ten to fifteen years, twenty years, the trans uh, sort of incorporation into our broader society will be totally different as we see it now? Because it has the same anger that we had in the fifties, sixties, and seventies as gay men. And the issue, I think, in our community is getting men again to be respectful of other uh, other people in yeah. general. Thanks for listening to the 365 Amazing Women podcast. Remember, you can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher and TuneIn. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and YouTube. Visit 365amazingwomen.com Thank you for listening and special thank you to Graham Jenkinson for the conversation. I'd also like to thank him and his partner Colin for allowing me to record the conversation at the Genco offices. Graham and I had quite a long and varied conversation and there are parts of the interview that are not included here but that he has kindly agreed I can use for a future project on what it means to be a man in the 21st century so keep your ears out for that later in the year.